Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. And we know that if we want to continue to celebrate our lives as we age, we've got to be mindful of our health, and that, of course, includes our mental health. That's why today's show is going to be an especially important one. Our guest, Dr. Mitch Klianowski, a board-certified neuropsychologist, and his physician psychiatrist wife, Dr. Emily Klianoskofi, Klianoskofi, sorry about that, have written an important new research that each of you is going to want to add to your own personal library. The book is entitled Dementia Prevention, Using Your Head to Save Your Brain, and this, as we know, is a critical topic for every one of us boomers out there. So we are especially fortunate to have both our doctors joining us today to share all about their findings. I'm so excited to find out more. So welcome to you both. Eileen, thank you so much for having us. It's great to be with you and thanks for putting on such a great program for everybody. Nice to well, be here I, well, I have to say, oh, I'm sorry, Dr. Mitch, were you going to say something? That's okay. <laughs> just, no, <laughs> secondarily, just nice to be here as well. <laughs> well, I'm so thrilled to have you both because, first off, this topic, I mean, we all, you know, there are certain things you have to address and certain fears we have about aging, but I think mental health and losing, uh, you know, being a, a victim of dementia is something that a lot of us are very concerned about, so I'm thrilled to be able to share your work with my audience. And I'm going to begin with you, Dr. Mitch, because you have treated over 20,000 patients suffering some, from some type of cognitive disorder or disease. So from your experience and your research, you do believe it's possible that we can actually adapt some lifestyle changes that are going to help us prevent significant cognitive decline, which we all want. So tell us a little bit about your experience. Well, we've seen this from several different directions, and it's really sort of our shared experience. But uh, number one, there are medical things that can be looked at and improved that will improve someone's likelihood of keeping their mind working well as they get older. There's a number of behavioral strategies that we can also use, lifestyle alterations. And even if somebody already has dementia, Uh, whether it's Alzheimer's disease or vascular dementia or dementia due to other kinds of medical problems or Parkinson's disease, implementing those kinds of interventions can slow down and help to plateau the decline that they're already experiencing. And those interventions work even better in earlier stages and even before someone is experiencing more than just senior moments. So, yeah, it's an absolutely, I mean, the research tells us that one out of two cases of dementia are preventable, that 40 to 60 percent, the large-scale studies demonstrate this and have done this convincingly over the last few years. We're just taking their research and adding to it and trying to present it in a way that makes sense to everyone. Well, speaking of presenting it in a way that makes sense to everyone, I want to say at the onset, this book is highly readable. It, of course, you know, both of you are, you know, vastly educated and know all these kinds of medical terminology and things like that. But for everyday readers like me, it's highly readable and it's such an important information. And I, again, want to congratulate both of you for creating such a great resource for us. And Dr. Emily, I'm going to point to you now. Um, 
we had a chance to speak a little before we went on air, and you had mentioned that you do, you basically, um, your practice is, has a lot of research aspects to it, but I'm just thinking this had to have been a huge labor of love to sift through all that research, and you really distilled the most critical 20 factors that impact dementia risk. So tell us a little bit about the process of actually writing this book. Well, what we did, and thank you for um, for recognizing how tough it was, because it really was pretty difficult. Um, we realized both Mitch and I have been treating thousands and thousands of patients, and we're both now in our early 70s, and we recognized that we weren't going to be around forever, and we didn't want to just have all this information and all the research that we developed about how to really optimally treat people just vanish. So we realized that we couldn't get everybody in the world in front of us into our offices. So it made sense for us to write a book as the best way to get this information into the hands of people who who needed it, who wanted it. So that was the impetus behind us doing this. And after that, it was just a matter of dedication and and, um, looking at all the most updated research. And what we put in the book is the reliable research. It's not the junk garbage. It's not eat 22 wild blueberries and you'll protect your brain. Yes. <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the real research that has been proven and demonstrated in large-scale studies, both in the United States as well as in the United Kingdom. So when we make suggestions to you and when you use Mitch's dementia checklist in the center of the book or you can get it online at our website which is braindoc.com you know there's a reason why we listed each one of those factors and you can target each one of them in turn and you'll be able to make a difference in your own lives in your own brain and in the brain of your loved ones and even of your children because the earlier you're they start this kind of process, the healthier they're going to be when they're in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Well, that is an important point you did, you mentioned, too, because uh, most of, you know, like my child is 47, and uh, most of us, our, our children are middle-aged now, and so not only do we want this book, but share it with your kids, because, boy, uh, the earlier you start, the better your chances to prevent this kind of cognitive decline. And, Dr. Mitch, let's get to the book itself. Why don't you give us an overview of the book, and it's divided into three parts, and tell us a little bit about each, each aspect of those parts? Well, the first part really gives us an opportunity to talk about what dementia is and isn't, how it develops, and the various types. It also goes on to talk about each of the different contributing factors. And as you pointed out, we've outlined actually 20 different factors that may be relevant to a particular individual. The second part of the book goes more into how to assess yourself in that area, we have a dementia prevention checklist that, as Emily was pointing out, you can get in the book. There's also a QR code that will take you to an online version, or you can download it from our website and fill it out. This will give you a chance to essentially develop a, an outline for where you're on target with your own life, where you're off target and need to make some changes, and where you're near target and don't have to make a lot of major changes, but some that will improve your uh, future. The third part is really 
in some ways from a, a psychologist's point of view, maybe the most important part, because it's fine to know enough about what's going on. It's a whole other piece of work to change. And change is so difficult for people as they get older, even though it's a very normal part of the growing up process. We look forward to change. We look forward to getting better and doing more things. When we get into midlife and older, many of us get into a rut where we decide that this is all it's going to ever be. And so when we're talking about some changes that are important for your future brain health, because how do you go about this? And so we want to provide some really concrete steps that people can take and apply to making changes that they can use for these kind of changes and pretty much for any kind of change. No, I one of the most important things that Mitch has ever come up with is he helps you examine your butt. <laughs> Let him tell you about that. <laughs> You're just taking over the interview. <laughs> but it's true. No, please do. Let's, let's hear from so I tell people, you got to examine your butt. And they all look at me and they, their eyes get wide. Say, what is that? <laughs> yeah. I say, the butt. Not the butt you're sitting on. The butt that comes in the sentence, I would change butt. What comes yeah. after that? What's your, uh, what's your reason why you're not willing to consider this? And, and that's where it becomes very interesting. Because if they start examining their butts, they realize that they're really not such a big problem after all. They just need to think about things differently. But I have to say that phrase is a memorable one, <laughs> Dr. Mitch. So, <laughs> I think, yes, we should throw that around quite frequently in this interview. Examine your butt. But, but that's so true. And <laughs> really, and Dr. Emily, yes. <laughs> but I, the other factor of the book, in addition to the fact that it's so well written and so clearly written and so in such a friendly, a patient-friendly way of, of writing, but you focus on prevention rather than cures, and I really like that because, of course, none of us want to get it. But there are certain genetic factors that do play a role in our chances for getting some type of dementia. And even in the introduction, you promise that you, you give the example of the one woman who did everything correctly, but she still got Alzheimer's, and, and that's a fact of life. So the uh, genetic factors do play a role. And can you tell us a little bit about these? Because it was a little shocking to me me that women make up two-thirds of the diagnosed cases of dementia. And part of that is, yes, we do live longer than men, and we know that age is the greatest risk factor for developing dementia. Um, But one of the other uh, factors that's going on with respect to genetics is that there are many conditions that are actually associated with the risk of getting dementia, such as high levels of cholesterol, obesity, um, obstructive sleep apnea, high blood pressure, hyperhomocysteinemia. These are all genetically conferred, to some degree, risk factors. They can be affected by what you do in your lifestyle, but if you have a family disposition to getting high cholesterol, well, you know, you're not going to really get rid of that gene. You have to work around it and take medication for it and exercise. So part of it is recognizing that there are genetic factors that can actually cause the dementia itself, such as, you know, some cases of Alzheimer's disease, some types of frontal temporal dementia, some types of Parkinson's. Um, 
but there are also genetic influences in the other medical conditions that set us up to be more susceptible to get dementia due to uh, vascular causes. Well, and, and, and Dr. Mitch, once we have examined our bats, according to your medical suggestion, uh, what are some of the, maybe some of the most critical ways we can modify our lifestyle? Well, first of all, it's deciding on a clear kind of target. You know, I, I deal with this every year when people start talking about New Year's resolutions. And I say, what's, you know, what do you, what's your resolution? I say, I'm going to be healthier this year. I say, well, that's wonderful, but what does that mean? I say, well, of course, I just want to be healthier. I said, no, no, no. That doesn't happen magically by having that as your goal. You have to have a more specific goal. What are you going to do to achieve that? Are you going to exercise more? Are you going to eat differently? Are you going to change some habits like how much you're drinking? What, what are you going to do? And so the first thing is you have to focus on a specific kind of thing. And that might be, well, I want to lose weight. I say, okay, fine. Now let's get even more specific. What's your plan for doing that? Where do you think is contributing to your obesity, to your being overweight? And so we focus more and more on specific kinds of targets because once you get that in mind and you say, okay, this is what I have to do to achieve the goal, then we can begin plotting a course. In other words, if I'm going to, maybe I'm going to eat off a smaller plate because that way my plate will look fuller and I won't be so likely to eat too much at a sitting. Maybe I won't bring the pot of whatever I've cooked over onto the table, so I actually would have to get up out of my chair to get seconds. Maybe I'm going to decide not to eat certain things or not to sit and eat automatically in front of TV while I'm watching it because I realize that it gets to be 9, 30, 10 o'clock and I probably consume half of my calories for the day in the next half hour, and I do it unconsciously. So that's really the, the starting point, is identifying what the goal is, because that then takes you to some specific steps that you can begin to effect. And then we talk in the, in the book about what happens when you get off track. How do you get back on track? How do you avoid the things which have defeated you in the past? Because pretty much everyone is reading the book has tried some of these things in some ways. And it wasn't the first time they thought about it when they read the book. So we talk about, okay, here's how you can correct some of those tendencies. Wow. And Dr. Emily, I have to say this. I know in recent years, and again, I'm in my 70s, and so recent years are the last 15 to me, but people have really, the medical profession has really discovered how important sleep is. And I was a little surprised about, you know, the, 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 how much the quantity and quality of your sleep really does affect your cognition as you age. And you said, you know, you, you go into quite a bit of in-depth information about sleep apnea. Right, and it's incredibly important because, again, that's one of those, by the way, heritable conditions. If you've got up, your children do too. But that's what sleep apnea is. It's, it's when you simply don't get enough air down your throat into your airway so that your brain doesn't get enough oxygen at night when you're sleeping. Unfortunately, when your brain doesn't have enough oxygen, brain cells get injured and they die. And that's set you up for getting dementia. Kill enough brain cells and you will get demented. That's an absolute promise. So sleep apnea is not investigated by your primary care doctor. 
You've got to, you're going to have to ask about it. And not everybody is showing signs of it. We used to think that, wow, everybody who had it was going to be snoring or everybody was going to feel tired during the day. There was a really interesting study that Mitch can speak more eloquently to than I that just came out. Mitch, do you want to comment about that? It was a large-scale study that six different centers, places like the Framingham Heart Study. They found that in people over the age of 58, that half of the 6,000 people that were tested in this one-night study had sleep apnea. Oh, my gosh. And these were perfectly, perfectly, supposedly in quotes, normal people who didn't think that they had anything wrong with them. They just signed up to be part of this longitudinal study. Yeah. Wow. So here's a really interesting thing, especially for you as a woman and for all of us women out there. The incidence, in other words, the, the rate of us getting sleep apnea drastically increases when we become perimenopausal, which when you and I were busy doing that was the age of 52. Now it's dropped to around the age of 42. When women lose estrogen, it changes the way our airway muscles in our throats control our airway when we're sleeping. And so we develop the same exact rate of risk of developing this that a man does. So by the time that somebody is 70 years old, 70% of us have obstructive sleep apnea. And the interesting thing is, the one thing that I want to change clinically as a physician is I first want to find out if my patient has this lack of oxygen, and if they do, I want to help them fix that because we've demonstrated that by fixing this and by treating them with continuous positive airway pressure, which is the standard of care for treating obstructive sleep apnea, that we can actually stop that decline into dementia and, in many cases, improve their cognition and keep them stable over a two-year period, which is how long we looked at it. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you know, I have been so looking forward to this interview, and I've kept you longer than I, I said I would, but I could go on and on because your work is so critical to the lives of, you know, boomers, seniors. Um, and I, so in the next minute or two, do any of you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave with our listeners? Because as I said, I could keep you on forever, but I have to respect your time, too. Well, number one, we issue an open invitation to invite us back. Uh, while this is a book, it's actually more of a mission. So we're really looking to change the future of cognition in America. We want to change the numbers of people who are, as they're aging, losing their cognitive functioning. And we think it can be done. Just a matter of knowing what to do and then actually doing it. So I guess the one thing that I would tell people is something else that comes from the book, which is stop being a dementia worrier and start being a prevention warrior. Take yeah. action. Dr. Emily, do you have anything to add to that? Because that was a great quote from your husband. <laughs> it is a great quote. And, you know, one of the things about being a really smart wife is knowing when not to step on your husband's <laughs> break. So let me just so let me just thank you 
Thank you so much for inviting us. This has been a delightful opportunity. Well, talk about delightful. I can't thank you both enough. Oh, my gosh. Not only was this such an important topic, uh, of course, to everyone, but also it was so much fun to chat with both of you. I really appreciate it. And for all you listeners out there, please do check out this important and critical resource. Their book is called Dementia Prevention, Using Your Head to Save your brain and for one of you can you please give us your website one more time it's brain doc b-r-a-i-n-d-o-c brain doc.com wonderful because i encourage you to take the test i've taken the test i i'm going to overcome my butts <laughs> and start really <laughs> doing the work because uh, i want to be a prevention warrior myself and the book's going to give you a wealth of critical information lots of health related insights and a real reason for optimism is we want to live the rest of our lives healthy and not demented so until next time this is mary eileen williams at feisty side of 50 radio saying i catch you later bye bye